It's fascinating, this rematch. It's the dynasty versus the drought. Georgia saying, can we just have one? This year has had a much more defensive personality. Jameson Williams will not return to this game for Alabama. It's going to be an interesting challenge for Bryce Young here. And it's picked off by Smith, and Georgia claims its first lead. This call is going to go a long way. Alabama reclaims the lead. Touchdown, Georgia! The Dodgers retake the lead! Biggest third down in Bryce Young's career. The dynasty versus the drought, a relatively appropriate way to sum it up, but the drought is no more. Hello, everybody, and welcome to College Football Live. I'm Wendy Nix. We are now just about 48 hours since the University of Georgia became our new national champions, and as you might imagine, they returned home to Athens to a hero's welcome. This was the scene just after the Bulldogs touched down after their return from Indianapolis. Not a lot of sleep to be had, but I can assure you they didn't mind one bit. No one more pleased than head coach Kirby Smart, who sat down after the win with our Reese Davis. From the pocket, launching downfield and intercepted. Keely Ringo down the sidelines, all the way to the end zone. And Georgia is going to conquer the Crimson Tide. What was the first quiet moment like for you after all the celebration? It was peaceful. I mean, it was not until about 4 a.m. when I got back to the room with my wife and we laid down to go to bed, and it started to sink in, you know, over a 1,000 texts. And uh, it was like, am I going to wake up tomorrow and this is going to be real, or did this not really happen and i got to play tomorrow? You know, it was just a dream. And uh, it probably reminded me of when I got the job because it was such a high moment for me when I got the job. And I was like, man, I'm the head coach at Georgia. And it's a little bit that way in this moment. Man, we just won a national championship. Bennett launching. Mitchell caught it. Touchdown, Georgia. What did winning a championship with Stetson Bennett at quarterback teach you? Trust your gut. You know, he, he, he did things in practice, and he did things as a third-string, a second-string quarterback that made you think, man, this guy can be really special. What he did is he established his relationship with the team and the offense, and he paired with Coach Munkin really well. Coach Munkin is a great play-action shot guy. That's what Stetson does best. Um, and that complemented our football team because our offensive weapons outside and the ability to play action, run the ball, and throw the ball helped us tremendously. But I'll never doubt my gut in that he was a winner and a leader and a really special player. What's his future? It's a great question. If he's going to give us the best chance to win, I'd love to see Stetson come back and lead this team again. Um, but a lot of things got to happen you know, for him to make the decision he needs to make in these next two or three weeks. How do you think it changes how you're perceived, how you'll have to handle success now, because when you're in that realm as a national championship winning coach, things do change. They do. Now our job changes as coaches. We gotta do a tremendous job explaining to our kids how the wind blows at the top. I've seen it firsthand. It is not easy. As you climb that mountain, it is windy up there, and there's a lot of kids to replace off that team last night. There were tremendous leaders. So hopefully that will carry over into the younger ones. When you bring that back to Athens, how do you envision the celebration, 
the parade or whatever you guys decide to do, what's that going to be like? It's going to be special to bring that home to Athens. Is, uh, it's what I wanted to do for the university and what I want to continue to do. So it, it, it'll mean a lot. Jr. joins us now. And Harry, uh, you know, it's interesting to hear Kirby Smart, of course, he's from Georgia, played his college ball in Athens. A thousand texts, can you imagine? But understandably so in this case. But he also talked about what's next because uh, it's a what have you done, what have you done for me lately kind of business. They got to turn this page. Uh, what do you foresee next for the Georgia Bulldogs? Well, you know, starting off, if you are in that program, if you're a fan, you should really enjoy this title. I mean, this has been over 40 years coming. It was going to have to happen at some point. And the way that they managed to get this done, honestly, was kind of poetic. A lot of people, and myself included, to be honest with you, were not sure that they could still get over the hump because for years the thing has been, oh, well, Georgia is going to lose at some point to a team they've got no business losing to or they can't get over the hump. But they got it done this year. You know, a lot of people picked them to lose against Clemson early on in the season. Uh, a lot of people said that they ended up, obviously, after they won all those games, they didn't play any good competition, right, until they played Alabama and then they lost. And then it was, well, can they beat them in the rematch? And they did that. And so moving forward here, I think you have to kind of look at Georgia similar to an Alabama, but not quite, because I don't think that would be fair to compare Georgia to the greatest dynasty that we've ever seen in this sport. Now, I will say, I do think that Georgia should, looking forward, kind of try to pull off a Clemson type of run at the very least, if we're being optimistic and realistic, that if you are recruiting in the same way that Alabama is, which they are, you should be able to string together two or three titles in a span of five, six, or seven years. So I think moving forward, at the very least, if you're a Georgia fan, you could aspire to be something like that moving forward. Well, you're right. Recruiting is the lifeblood of these institutions. As we say hello to Tom Luganville and Lugs, you know, I think Harry's right. You can't compare Georgia and Alabama just yet, not because what Georgia has accomplished isn't tremendous. It's just because Alabama has done it time and time and time again. Nick Saban was looking for his eighth national championship, his seventh at Alabama. So, you know, that, that's something. What, what do you think, though, is next for this Georgia program? Well, yeah, I think it's premature to make that comparison just because of the body of work that Alabama has put together. But I think what is more than fair is the horses in the stable to run the race. And I mean that from an infrastructure standpoint. The University of Georgia, from a university uh, standpoint, top down, finally realizes that if you're going to close the gap with Alabama, if you're going to close the gap with Clemson, and you're going to be a college football playoff participant or a potential, potential national champion, you have to be able to have the resources, whether it's staffing, manpower, funding, facilities upgrades, you name it. And 10 years ago, that was not the case at Georgia. You might have thought it was, but it wasn't. And when Kirby Smart realized that and got in the fold there in Athens, he realized there was a lot of work to do to close that gap. Now that gap is closed. You get the monkey off your back. You are in one of the most, I think, fruitful states in recruiting in all of the nation. I think it's Texas, Florida, and Georgia not necessarily Texas, Florida, and California. That's how good the state of Georgia is in recruiting. So they're set up really nicely in that regard, too. 
Luke's plus, don't forget, when you win a national championship, those checks come a lot easier, right? You need resources. I got to tell you, what you ask for, you tend to get. So uh, Kirby Smart's going to have a leg up in that regard, even from what he was able to do previously. Uh, it's never too soon to look ahead, right? I mean, we love college football. We're already ready. Uh, so here's what we've got for Caesar Sportsbook. It's put out their odds for next year's title. And shocker, it's Alabama. They've shuffled just a bit. As of yesterday, the Crimson Tide in Georgia were listed as co-favorites at just over 3-1. to one. But again, uh, we'll see this change a little bit as we go along. And of course, when we see signing day, the second signing day in February. But Harry, if I said to you, do you take Georgia and Alabama, we'll give you both, or the field with regards to next year's national championship, who you got? I'm taking Georgia and Alabama, but I definitely want to tip my hat to Ohio State here. I liked what we saw out of them in the Rose Bowl when we had a lot of opt-outs from them, some notable ones, obviously a receiver, and then you saw guys step up. And I think that that was a pretty good reminder that, you know, this way that we talk about Alabama and Georgia, you know, replacing four and five stars with more four and five stars, Ohio State typically does the same thing. I know they had some issues on defense. They've got seven guys that they expect to be back on that side of the football next season. And I'm really eager to see what C.J. Stroud is going to look like next year with a full body of work in the college game underneath his belt. I think I'm going to take Alabama and Georgia, but I think you should also look out for Ohio State. I tell you, Harry, my, my answer is almost identical to yours. You know, I just think the top-to-bottom depth, the proof in the pudding between Alabama and Georgia – uh, the roster and the portion of the roster that is returning that is overly experienced uh, with some age probably gives them a slight edge. But the one thing about Ohio State, and I think we saw it on the offensive side of the football in the Rose Bowl, we saw their depth, particularly at wide receiver. But defensively, that's the youngest defense they've had in Columbus for a decade. And you add Jim Knowles to the fold now, they weren't depleted in terms of a lack of talent they were depleted in terms of a lack of experience, really, really young. And I don't think we can count out Clemson either. You know, the sky was falling in Clemson. That's still a roster that won 10 games and had mm -hmm. to do it the hard way. So the Tigers are still lingering around, too. Lugs, I knew there was a reason we were friends. Don't count out my Tigers. They'll be back. <laughs> I'm telling you, you heard it here. You're a terrier. I'm going to take the field just, just to keep the that's first and foremost, that's right, but a tiger right behind it. Uh, listen, this news was confirmed yesterday, late afternoon. Uh, there was some concern that Alabama wide receiver Jameis Williams had torn an ACL. In fact, he has. That injury came in Monday's championship game. He is expected to have left knee surgery in the next few days, and with any luck, he will make a full recovery. Still to come on College Football Live, while Georgia may have taken home the title, there were plenty of others who stepped up and impressed throughout bowl season. We talked about those who didn't play. Let's give those who did some credit. We'll tell you whose stock has risen coming up. We take a look now at the top 10 NFL draft prospects. According to our own Todd McShay, a pair of defensive ends hold the top two spots. Michigan's Aiden Hutchinson and Oregon's Kayvon Thibodeau. Notice they're just two offensive skill players and not a single quarterback that cracked the top 10. All that, that often changes as we get closer to April's draft. But Luke's 
Look, uh, a lot of solid players, a lot of star players took the field last month. It wasn't just the national championship game. Who stood out to you during bowl season? Well, it was actually two players in, in two games that I covered between the Cheez-It Bowl and the Citrus Bowl. And, you know, I would start off with Mario Goodrich, the corner at Clemson, in the game that he had, choosing not to opt out, deciding to play. He ends up getting the tipped ball, the interception, returns it for a touchdown. Big difference in the game. And then makes the play of the game on the very last play to knock the ball out of Iowa State quarterback Brock Purdy's hands. Seal the deal. Clock runs out. Clemson wins. And then I looked at the Citrus Bowl. Tyler Linderbaum. Now listen to this. Tyler Linderbaum could be a top 15, top 20 overall pick. He decides to play for Iowa. He's the best center. He's the best center in college football. He gets hurt at the latter part of the third quarter in the Citrus Bowl against Kentucky. Enough to go into the locker room to get examined. He comes back out onto the field and goes back into the game and finishes the game for the Hawkeyes and his teammates. And I just think both of those performances add to what is already a substantial sample size for potential first, second round draft guys who chose to play. And I think people will look at those performances. They'll see the competitive temperament. They'll see the production. It's just one more element to add to your draft stock by choosing to play if you choose to do so. Lugs, I like those, especially Tyler Linder, Lindenbaum. He's been one of the best players at his position in college football the past two years, without question. Uh, for me, I'm going first here with somebody that we're going to see next season in college football, and that's Marvin Harrison Jr. at Ohio State. We talk a lot about how those players at Ohio State stepped up at the receiver position in the Rose Bowl. And we knew about Jackson Smith and Jigba, and we know but he had the big game, but we knew what he was before this game. Prior to this game, we did not know about Marvin Harrison Jr. He had played in four games and had five receptions. And against Utah, he had six receptions and three touchdowns. He's a crisp route runner. He's not a, a massive build. He's very obviously similar to his father. This is somebody in a receiving room that's obviously never lacking. And you could even ask Alabama. They got Jamison Williams from him. Uh, but he's <laughs> going to be a special player next year in that offense. And another one that I think that we really need to look forward to here is Malik Willis. Now, they played against Eastern, Eastern Michigan in their bowl game. You're never going to impress pro scouts by playing against Eastern Michigan. However, I do think that the performance that he put up was a good sample size of why we were so high on him coming into the season. He had 231 passing yards in that game, five total touchdowns. He's got a monster, monster arm. Honestly, it's comical. He can make any throw that you need him to. Obviously, there's things that could be worked out or tightened. But I think if we're going pound for pound and you're talking about quarterbacks and evaluating them, Malik Willis should be able to get a similar, you know, benefit of the doubt that we gave Josh Allen coming out of college. And, you know, I think if he lands in the right situation, he could be a great NFL quarterback based on the way that those offenses are going in that league. Yeah, and it seems like that Josh Allen experiment's working out okay, if you will. And again, we talked a lot during bowl season about those who didn't play. I, I get it, but I think you do have to tip your hat for some of these guys who stepped up and delivered as well. All right, let's talk for just a minute about another topic of conversation that we'll, to, we'll be tackling in the future. If the college football playoff expands, I, I got to tell you, it won't be anytime soon. The college uh, football playoff committee, the board of managers, failed to approve a proposal on Monday for an expanded 12-team playoff. In fact, they really don't appear that much closer than they have been. In fact, here's Greg Sankey. The SEC commissioner, uh, here's what he had to say. It was described that we're in overtime. This may be a nine-overtime game where nobody can score a two-point conversion right now, but that doesn't mean you stop. 
it is certainly possible, Harry, that this group will get there. But listen, there's some acrimony, there's some disagreement to be sure, and, you know, heaven forbid we point out it's about the money, but it's about the money. Yeah, it is. And honestly, I think part of it, too, and it's kind of the reason why I'm laughing here, it's about Greg Sankey and the SEC, too. Because for a minute there, guys, it didn't sure sound like that this was going to be a done deal pretty quickly. And then all of a sudden, we're at SEC media days, and we hear that Texas and Oklahoma are joining the SEC. And then all of a sudden, all this came to a screeching halt. And now, in their latest meeting, we've got six different formats that they can't agree upon, which... Sounds like that's one of the big holdups, among other things. But I think ultimately this is going to get done, and it's for one reason only. As you mentioned, Wendy, there is money to be made. And when there is money to be made in college athletics, especially right now, while the athletes are not getting paid, they are going to make that money at every single chance they can. <laughs> yeah. Harry, you know, I, I chuckle at it, too, because I feel like this is a good thing that we're getting this much thought put into this. Can you imagine if they actually put this much thought into the transfer portal or the extra year of eligibility before they just unrolled it? So I see it. I get it. <laughs> I know it's a billion dollar with a B money grab eventually. But I do think there's a couple of things. And you mentioned the SEC. I think that's part of it. I also think the bowl structure versus earning a buy compiled with the fact that the next mm -hmm. four seeds would get a on-campus home game that, that creates a lot of discussion. How do you implement the bowl structure? Where does the Rose Bowl find itself in all of this because of their January 1 sticking date? All right, you have the ability to earn a buy, which is great. All right, you want to get the rest. You, you, you know, you're going to play a few less games. But then wouldn't you love to have that opportunity to have that revenue, have that commerce, to own a game on your campus in your first round? So I think that's a little bit of a bone of contention, too, is they continue to iron out these details. And as we always know, the devil is in the details. The devil is most certainly in the details because, as Harry said, for a hot minute, it looked like we were almost there. And now we've sort of backed up. we got a pass interference call, guys. <laughs> well, I guess that's forward. But we, we got backed up, all right? <laughs> uh, listen, we've got some unanswered questions as we head into the offseason college football could look a little bit different next season, as it almost always does. We'll tackle these questions straight ahead. Our jam-packed sports calendar rolls on in January, Sunday, the Spanish Super Cup final and the start of the Australian Open. Next week, the first ever Monday night wildcard game in UFC 270 is Saturday the 22nd. A little bit of everything this month on ESPN, ABC, ESPN Deportes, and ESPN+. Plus. Uh, time now for a little fill-in-the-blank as we really now look toward the offseason. There will be some questions answered. Luke, I'll start with this. Caleb Williams will play for blank next season Lincoln Riley USC um, especially once Jackson Dart uh, entered into the transfer portal I, I think you could see the writing on the wall the, the only challenge is is that while he may look good in that uniform how clean will that uniform remain because the roster <laughs> at SC right now is not Oklahoma's <laughs> roster <laughs> Yeah, Lugs, I'm with you. I think USC seems to be the pretty clear one, especially like you mentioned, after Jackson Dart went into the portal. Uh, it makes a ton of sense, not just from, you know, playing with his old coach, but also, hey, man, go get some NIL money out there. It's L.A., baby. Yeah. Do it. Uh, 
yeah, if that's what you're looking for, L.A. is not the worst place in the world, uh, despite whether your uniform is clean or not, Luke's. All right, guys, uh, how about Jim Harbaugh? Jim Harbaugh will coach blank next season. Harry. I think he's going to coach Michigan. I think that he should still take some phone calls from some NFL teams. I think a lot of people forget that he had a pretty decent amount of success with the 49ers. Why not take a call? Well, I'll tell you right uh, yeah, now. Yeah, he did, Luke. Yeah, he, he did, but I'll say this. He's got to leverage this to get all the money he gave back to Michigan last year. That's what he's got to do. So he's got to talk to the Giants. He's got to talk to Chicago. He's got to <laughs> talk to the Raiders. And he's got to figure out, well, wait a minute. They wanted to run me out of town. We just made the college football playoff. I gave a bunch of money back. i got to leverage this to get that money back in my pocket from the University of Michigan. I go Michigan. Crazy world we live in. All right, one more, guys. And we may have to be quick on this one. But uh, Luke's blank will be the biggest change in college football next season. Transfer portal legislation, some type of guidelines, rules, some structure. So. This is unsustainable. Yeah, yeah and for me, I think it's going to be you know, you know uh, watching NIL still oh, evolve. Ahead. You know, it's going to. Oh, yeah, I just think we're going to see some of the market even out here and possibly see some regulation here uh, with, with NIL. I don't think that the governing bodies are quite done with that one yet. Yeah, and I don't think anybody's arguing, guys, that we need to do away with, with any of these completely. I mean, the, the genie's out of the bottle, so to speak. But, Lugs, as sure. you know, right now you can go into the transfer portal anytime. <laughs> By the way, a school can then cancel your scholarship when you do. I, I get that as well. But it, it can set both school and player up for, for really what's turned out to be a little bit of a madhouse. Well, you, you, you got to do the math. And when you do, you realize nothing adds up. The extra year of eligibility, the transfer portal – uh, the fact that you have to deal with your initial counters and recruiting. There's not enough scholarships out there. If you go into the portal, you better be sure you have a place to go. Yeah, you, you, you sure you sure better. But I tell you what, guys, uh, we're going to be back in February. But for now, I think we're going to put a bow on the college football season. And what a season it was. Started out with chaos, ended with Georgia as a national champion for the first time in 41 years. We'll see you soon, everybody.